Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And welcome to Figuring Out 30. This is a podcast exploring the chaos, confusion, and clarity of life in our 30s. I'm Bridget Huswick. Great to be back with you. And today, it's just me. It's just hanging out. You and I, a little one-on-one catch-up. I'm going to fill you in on the big week that I've just had uh, with the Barbie movie premiere and Splendor in the Grass. And I've also got a bunch of questions that have been sent through to the Figuring Out 30 podcast Instagram handle. So I'm going to be answering your questions. So let's do it. Um, But first, let's wrap up on the week that was I have just come back from Splendor in the Grass. Oh, what a weekend. So this was my third time at Splendor in the Grass. Um, Three really contrasting experiences at the festival in Byron Bay. So the first time I went to Splendor was 2018 when I was part of the Triple J live broadcast. So they pretty much set up the radio station backstage. It's such a cool thing. Um, Artists roll through for interviews. You get to play the sets out, some of them live as they happen, which is just really nice for like the rest of the country to experience because, you know, not everyone can head to Byron Bay for Splendour and the Grass so you can listen. I've got like vivid memories of me driving in my car to Melbourne or hanging out in Ballarat and having these sets played out listening into Triple J. So that's a really cool thing that they get to do. Um, It's a lot of work and it's really long hours. I remember the year that I did it, 2018, um, it was a month before I got my endo diagnosis. So a month before I had my surgery and I had my period at the festival and it was so bad. It was so bad because the days are literally like you're working minimum 12 hours, right? And to be on site at a festival where there's like no microwaves or particularly comfortable seats, to have period pain and usually using like relying on a heat pack and just being comfortable was not an option. So it was a great experience to do that festival, but it was also kind of traumatic, like just trying to work through those hours and being really uncomfortable and in pain. But it was awesome that I got to interview some artists that year. I remember interviewing the Wombats and Mallrat. I remember interviewing Khalid. This is such a crazy random story. Love Khalid, amazing artist out of Texas. He was performing and the the managing director of the ABC at the time, Michelle Guthrie, she got tickets and brought her daughter along to Splendour and her daughter is like a mad Khalid fan. So they wanted to come into the Triple J tent and meet Khalid, get some autographs, whatever, get some photos. 
They also wanted to watch my interview. I can't tell you how intimidating and daunting it is. My first Splendor broadcast with Triple J, interviewing an international artist like Khalid and having the managing director of the ABC watching over, like I did not want to fuck it up, but it was actually a really good interview. And yeah, he's such a joy to talk to. So I think I did pretty good. But yeah, that was my first time at Splendor 2018. The second time I went was last year and I went as a punter and look, it was pretty fucking bad. <laughs> like torrential rain, flooding, so much of the festival was affected that they actually cancelled the first day of the music. I'm pretty sure this was all over the news. And I was actually boarding my flight to the Gold Coast when they made that announcement. We didn't even know if the rest of the festival would go ahead, but they were so determined to make it work. I just really felt for all the campers because so, people were literally camping in like soggy it was like you were camping it was splendor in the swamp that's what we called it splendor in the swamp and there was really bad traffic flow as well like the cars were getting stranded because a lot of people with the festival for splendor a lot of people stay in like byron bay and kingscliff and tweet heads and stuff in surrounding areas and you'll get like a shuttle bus in and out each night and alongside the terrible weather and people who were camping just being like stranded the traffic to get out for the second and third night particularly the second night Oh my gosh. So I was staying in Kingscliff and the second night of music, I remember I left early. I I left, I think it was after Glass Animals and just before the strokes. So it was around 10 p.m. To get back to Kingscliff, you would usually in like a normal conditions, it would take like half an hour. I got home at midnight. One of the girls that I was staying with, she left after the strokes. So there was an hour difference between us leaving the festival She didn't get home. She didn't walk through the doors of our apartment until 7 a.m. the next morning because she was stranded at the festival like tens of thousands of other people like in the bus queues, just all crammed. Apparently, apparently half of the buses didn't turn up that night. So they were already down um, and then the weather wasn't helping. I guess the transport was just slow. And yet people were literally stranded at the festival overnight. And it traumatized me so much the next night I left at 8 p.m. I was like, I'm not risking it. Fuck that. And I was so hesitant to go back this year. But I went this year and I went with Garnier, which was like my first time working at a festival with a brand. So the first time I worked with Garnier was a couple of months ago. I got to host their luncheon that was all about their journey to greener beauty. And it was really amazing. I was so scared and kind of intimidated because I haven't really worked in the beauty space before, but I've I've grown up with Garnier and I like genuinely love the brand. So I was proper fangirling that I got to be part of it. And what they did at Splendor, like if you're wondering what has Garnier got to do with Splendor, they actually put together this really cool style hub. It was called the Garnier Hair Food Hub at Splendor. Splendor is like our Coachella, our Glastonbury. So a lot of brands will work there because it is like our biggest festival in Australia, right? And so Garnier put together this hair food hub where you could go and get your hair styled for free. And they did such a good job. Like the setup was so legit, like proper salon vibes, really fun. They do your hair, put cute little clips in. I could never do my hair that good. My hair has literally never like smelt, felt, looked so good at a festival before. And it was free. And it kind of just reminded me like Garnier used to work at the Australian Open. They used to have a style hub there as well. And you'd go get like a little facial or they'd do your hair and then you get to take home a goodie, like a free product. And yeah, they did it at Splendor this year and it was so much fun. We just went there and when we got into the festival each afternoon, got our hair done and then got to enjoy 
the music. Um, and I was with a really cool group too. I got to go with Brooke Blurton, who you may know from The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. And she's an author and she's a podcast host as well. So it was very cool hanging out with Brookie. And we just, yeah, just enjoyed the music. I'll quickly go through like my top three acts of Splendor because obviously live music and music is a big part of who I am. Um, top three. So 07 O'Shake, I've been wanting to see her for ages, big fan. Everyone knows 07 O'Shake from that recent club with Ray Escapism. It is everywhere. She's also worked with Fred again and has worked with Kanye West. But I love a lot of 07 O'Shake's solo music like Morrow, Under the Moon. And she uses autotune, but in a really cool way. A lot of people were saying she's like the female Travis Scott, but I think she's so much more than that. Anyway, she was really great first afternoon there on the amphitheater, which is the main stage. Also loved seeing Sam Fender. He played Splendor in the Grass back in 2019 and he had a really early slot on like the Friday afternoon and apparently didn't have a massive crowd, but he was so humble. And just to see how far he has gone since, like between 2019 and now, he's had two like best-selling records. He's made the hottest 100. 17 Going Under came in at like number 16. And he got to play the Saturday night on the main stage. And the crowd was, that was the biggest crowd that I saw at the festival. I know there were huge crowds for like Lizzo and Skeggs too. I didn't see heaps of music this year. It was kind of just like a chill a chilled experience just for me to float around the festival site. And I was happy to do that because, you know, throughout my time music presenting, I've been to a lot of gigs and I've seen a lot of these local acts already. So this year for the festival, I just kind of, didn't really have expectations. I just wanted to take in like the whole atmosphere, the whole environment, the whole festival experience, as opposed to like legging it (laughs) from stage to stage. But yeah, Sam was incredible. And Tuvalu, she had a main stage moment on the Sunday night. And if you've seen Tuvalu before, you know, she's an absolute force. Like she's so sexy and confident and just can work a stage. Like she's strutting around. She's got the best dance moves and yeah I love all of her songs so they were my top three 07 O'Shake, Sam Fender and Tuvalu so all in all Splendor this year very successful very glad to see it bounce back from last year because I think they lost uh, the trust of a lot of punters you know myself included I was so hesitant to go back but I'm really glad that I did and like hats off to them for how everything was managed this year you could tell that there were like weatherproofing upgrades and the whole site just felt a lot more cohesive and comfortable to roam. So the weather was amazing, like sun every day. Um, Yeah, I'm keen to see how they'll go for next year and what that lineup will be. But it definitely kind of put a good taste back in my mouth after last year. So hats off to Splendor. So let's talk about Barbie. How good is this? Greta Gerwig, is that how you say her last name, Gerwig? She's made history as Barbie has its biggest opening weekend for a film directed by a woman. Let me say that again. Barbie has the biggest opening weekend for a film directed by a woman. We love to see it. I think like worldwide, the opening weekend, they raked in like 560 million Australian dollars. And yeah, that's made it essentially the biggest debut ever for a film directed by a woman. So I was very lucky to attend the Melbourne premiere of Barbie at the Riverline Hawthorne East. It was a couple of days before the movie came out. And it was like a super exclusive, very hot ticket to obtain. I can't believe that I was invited. So I obviously wanted to make sure I was going to go all out and really understand the assignment, read the memo, the dress code being Barbie core. And I had this pink dress from Chic, which is actually called the Margot dress. So very fitting. Um, And it was on sale. It was like half price. So 
I thought for that reason so many other people would be wearing it. I literally was saying that this dress would be the equivalent of like, you remember that cotton on festival shirt that so many guys wore? It was like yellow, short sleeve, it's got stripes, like vertical stripes and it kind of buttons down and every guy, every man and his dog would wear it at a festival. I was like, this is this is the equivalent. This is the Barbie equivalent. Everyone's going to be in this chic dress. But I was the only one. And I've got pictures on my Instagram too. It's like a long pink dress. Actually, I'll just read the description of the dress from the website because I don't know how to describe this stuff. I'm not I'm not fashion. It's coined as a decidedly, a decidedly romantic masterpiece. <laughs> the Margot Maxi dress showcases a formidable design featuring a luxurious satin construction which subtly gestures to the 50s glamour era yeah when I think of the dress it kind of reminds me of that diamonds are a girl's best friend long pink dress vibe Marilyn Monroe or material girl Madonna that kind of thing it says featuring an off-shoulder neckline and side waist cut out it's a statement piece that will adorn your wardrobe for years to come. It's definitely a dress I think I'll wear again at like a wedding. I'd have to space it out because it's very, it's a very bold, like it really pops out. So that's what I wore. I got my hair and makeup done. I was feeling fucking cute. We were given um, a small popcorn and a water and they came in like these cardboard Barbie car trays. <laughs> so good. And like a pink ice cream. It was like strawberry. Uh, we got pink nail polish and eyeshadow too. I like the marketing genius of Barbie. They partnered up with over 100 different brands and so many different brands too, from grilled, like pink burgers to Peter Alexander pajamas, pink Crocs, dotty makeup. It's just been everywhere. And yeah, I've been loving it. Sick pink is my favorite color. This is not an oversaturation for me at all. So here for it. And the movie really did exceed my expectations. I thought we saw a lot of it with the trailers. We got quite a few trailers. They were very generous in the lead up. But halfway during it, I was already thinking, man, I can't wait to see this again. I can't wait to come back and see this again. It was so funny and clever and beautiful, like aesthetically slay, but very thought provoking as well. And I think it's going to be a launching pad for a lot of, yeah, a lot of feminist conversations. The way in which they conveyed ideas and straight up you know facts um was done yeah very cheekily and obviously with intent like hats off to Greta and Margot with how they've put all these ideas forward like to do this through Barbie genius absolute genius oh and also the soundtrack Dua Lipa Charlie XCX like Nicki Minaj all in all everything about the movie I was so here for so if you haven't gone and seen it already do it I will be going for a second time, no doubt. So that was my week. And now let's get into some good old questions, an old fashioned AMA. I have only done this once on the podcast last year and I'm doing it now because I'm putting the podcast on hold for about a month. I've just got some other work projects that I really need to attend to. And this, as I literally say every fucking week, like a broken record, this is just me putting the podcast together. So I kind of need to just put it on the shelf for a second. Um, I've already got like episodes planned for the rest of the year, but I just need to have the next month off it. So I thought we'd just finish off with you and me catching up, me answering some questions that you're sending through to the Figuring Out 30 podcast Instagram. Um, So let's get into it. The first one that I got was from Chelsea and she said, do you have a lifetime line for the next decade like we all did for our 20s? I actually don't. And part of me loves that, but also part of me kind of stresses a bit. I guess I have 
I think I have goals more so career oriented, but I'm definitely not like setting a timeline in terms of marriage. Um, I mean, kids is a tricky one because I have no maternal desire right now, but I'm obviously conscious of my biological clock and would look at egg freezing. I think when I'm like 34, I'm 32. So that's like two years away. I think just turning since turning 30, I've come to realize that the timelines can be silly and you really can't predetermine your whole life. Like it's great to have goals, but ride the wave. Just ride the wave, take it as it comes and don't be so hard on yourself if you don't meet a particular time. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. If you, don't, if you don't meet a particular milestone by a certain age, I think that's probably one of the biggest realizations I made once I turned 30. I was like, uh. I actually don't need to be married or have kids by this age. Like I've still got time and also just realizing what do I really want at this time? And again, that's why you can't predetermine all this stuff. So that's how I'd answer your question, Chelsea. Hope that answers it. (laughs) Isaac said, this is a, like, this is such a straight up one. He's just like, what's pissing you off lately? Well, Isaac, there's a lot of things probably pissing me off, but the first thing that I'm thinking of The one thing that is pissing me off at the moment, and it actually happened over the weekend in Byron, I did a bit of shopping because I left my skirt at home and all of my outfits centered around this maxi denim skirt that I'm living out of. It's just such an easy thing to wear. I hate wearing pants. I feel I'm free wearing a skirt, (laughs) like a long denim skirt gives me free, gives my legs freedom. What's pissing me off is I feel like more and more when you're shopping in a store and instead of just printing out the receipt and giving it to you, they're like, can I just get your email and we'll send the receipt to you? Can I just get your email for the receipt? And I'm like, oh, well, I need a printout because there's a lot of things that I can buy that I can actually claim on tax. So I'm always asking for paper. The thing is, though, when they say that, they also don't say this is going to sign you up to a mailing list. And every fucking time it does. And it's so deceitful. And I've like worked in retail before and I don't know how you're allowed to do that. Like you are unknowingly being signed up to the mailing list. Like it's so shady. I don't want to sign up to your mailing list. I know they do it as like, that is a KPI. Like that is one of the things they're measured on is like how many people they can get signed up to mailing lists, but it's so dog. Don't do it. Literally just ask if I want to be signed up or not. It's so fucking annoying. And now I'm getting all these, you know, newsletters and that's what's pissing me off at the moment. Rant over. (laughs) Megan said, what was dating like after your breakup? I've got an episode that kind of goes into this from season one last year. So go back to that one. It's the fourth episode. It's featuring my friend Dee and it's also featuring Stacey June, who has a book called Single Pringle because we talk about single life and we also talk about dating. But long story short, I went on the apps, found it overwhelming, my first date from an app was with Oscar and we've been together ever since. So that's a really long story short. But um, go listen to that episode because I go more in depth about how I found the apps. It was my first time being on them. Before I got into my last relationship, Tinder was like the only thing kind of coming through. So yeah, it was a whole new world. But again, it's episode four of season one from last year where I kind of go into that. So hopefully you'll get something from that, Megan. Um, I've got Christine who said, what... <laughs> 
I love this. What era are you going as for Taylor Swift? I'm thinking, so I'm lucky in that I secured a ticket to a Sydney show and a Melbourne show. Sydney, I'm going with two friends from Ballarat and one of them, like I remember our friendship, a lot of it was actually soundtracked by Fearless. So I'm going to go as Fearless for sentimental nostalgic value, thinking like glittery gold, tasselly dress, curly hair, but my very close second favourite album is 1989. So I'll do that for the Melbourne show. I haven't thought about that exact costume. I'm seeing a lot of um, like TikToks and like Pinterest mood boards. The 1989 can be, well, I mean, it's glittery too, but I'm seeing a lot of light blue. I don't know. We've got so much time. I actually just got my beads order because I'm going to be making the friendship bracelets and I just got sent so many beads. So I'm going to have to get to that as well. But also I think we need to keep in mind the weather, like it's going to be peak summer, middle of Feb. So I don't want anything that's going to be like too heavy or too covered up because it's outdoor venues and it's just going to be, yeah, really fucking hot. Okay, next question is from Jess and she said, how do you navigate painful sex because of endo? I've seen a pelvic physio before, but it's no longer within my budget. Well, I got a whole chapter in my book on sex um, in How to Endo and Chantelle Otten provides heaps of tips and my pelvic physio also features in the book. And one of the questions that I asked her was, what tips can you give to people, things that you can do at home, cost-effective ways of managing your pelvic floor? Because yeah, like you said, it's expensive. Like it's so hard to maintain financially. It's not within a lot of people's budget. So I can totally relate with that. But yeah, I think for me, it was probably just realizing that like penetration isn't the be all end all when it comes to sex anyway, like embracing sex toys, um, getting to know your erogenous zones. I think embracing foreplay, obviously communication with your partner, whether it's a casual sex partner or someone you're in a romantic relationship with, just knowing that you can say, Hey, this is uncomfortable for me. Let's switch positions or Hey, this is hurting. Let's stop. Like having that communication and understanding is so key too. One device I will recommend in terms of penetration. And it's one that I do mention in my book too, but if you're finding that like penetration, like the depth of it is what is hurting you, there's this thing called the O-nut and it's pretty much like a bunch of silicone rings. I think it's silicone um, that can be put on the shaft and it manages the depth of penetration. So that's really good because you are now, like it gives you control of it and you can chuck on four rings or you can just put one one ring on the shaft. But I've seen that being stocked at like physios now, like they will sell that to clients. So yeah, I've got a whole chapter of it in my book. And there's also a lot of free info online that can help with this stuff. I recommend just following like a bunch of sexologists. Chantelle Otten does put a lot of stuff out. She puts out a lot of free content as does um, Georgia Grace and even like the Pelvic Pain Foundation of Australia, Quendo have done blogs on this stuff. But yeah, there are definitely cost-effective tips available. So hopefully that helps. Luke, you said, do you have travel plans for the rest of the year and what are your dream destinations? Oscar and I are going to Fiji later in the year, which will be cool. I've never been to Fiji. That's going to be a real kind of drop and flop holiday, just hanging at a resort. Three different ones, actually. We've tried to like mix it up a bit. Um, But other than that, I don't really have anything. Do you know what? That's a lie. Do you know where I'm going next week? This has literally just been locked in. I'm going to the Great Barrier Reef and I can't say too much now, but (laughs) this, I was not planning on going to the Great Barrier Reef next week, but I am. And I will be able to share more info on that soon, but that's technically my next trip and then Fiji. But in terms of dream destinations, actually, before I go to that, I will also say this year has just been a stunning year of travel. I've had a lot of great domestic moments, like 
this year I went to Hobart for the first time. I went to Darwin for the first time and obviously getting back from Byron too. I mean, I've been there a few times, but my next dream holiday is Europe next summer. I want to go for like three, four weeks and just do Italy and the Greek islands. I've never done the Greek islands before. I've done Italy, but it was part of a Kentucky and I feel like it doesn't count. Like I went to Rome, which I actually didn't enjoy. I thought it was just way too busy and way too hot and it was July. So that makes sense. But um, Rome, Venice, Florence, and that was it. Just so three. But I want to just do like, I want to have the Italian coastal moment and just go to some more kind of smaller regional areas. So I'm hoping that's something I can do in 2024. Hannah said, what music are you loving this year? Oh, glad you asked. I currently have a running notepad of my favorite songs of the year and there's uh, 11 on there at the moment. Um, to sum it up, I will say that my favorite debut is a UK trio called Need a Name Bro. like all saints if you like sugar babes they are like a modernized version they are so incredible even look even if you like a little mix i think you could um totally use little mix as a point of reference for need a name bro that's literally their name need a name bro all one word because they are trying to find a name for their group and i think they posted the other day that they have one and I don't know when they're going to be revealing that but their debut single better love is my favorite debut of the year my favorite collab is Olivia Dean and Leon Bridges. If I could, would it go back where we started? I know you're still waiting, wondering where my heart is. And actually, Olivia Dean is just killing it. She should be all over Australian radio right now. She just put out an album. She's just got a really honeyed, soulful voice, um, just really easy to listen to. One album that I'm enjoying is a new one from the Japanese house. I also love Ben Howard's new album. He's my favorite singer songwriter. And this new album just sounds like he's just in a more vibrant kind of stage of his life or I don't know. I don't know. I just feel like I'm getting a happier Ben Howard because one of my all time favorite records is I forget where we were from Ben like nearly a decade ago. And that is a quite dark, heavy, aching album. It's so beautiful, but this is quite a contrast to what he's putting out now. So enjoying his album and the Japanese house. So there's some music recommendations for you. I'll put in the show notes of this episode to my playlist, which is an ongoing thing. Like I just add new songs to it each week. It's called What's Good. If you're not yet across it and if you want to find new music, I've got you covered with that playlist. Danielle, she asked, do you miss being on radio? Do I miss being on radio? Mm, I don't miss it being like four to five nights a week. Because having my nights free, I'm like, how did I do that for five years? How did I be on the radio every weeknight for five years? But I miss it. Like, I think especially because it took years to even get that job. So deciding to suddenly stop wasn't the easiest decision, but I don't regret making that decision. I think I just miss having, I don't know, that instant connection with people and being able to instantly be like I heard a song this morning and I want to play it for you right now I don't really have that at the moment but I'm still doing music presenting 
uh, in the sense that I'm doing a lot of work with Blair, which is a music publication under Warner Music. So through them, I've been able to interview Maisie Peters, Keita Alexander, Blusher, and I'll have some more with them lined up throughout the rest of the year. I have also been able to talk about music on TV, like talking about Taylor Swift's tour on the Today Show, even jumping on Today Extra last Friday to talk about Splendor, like having those opportunities. Oh, I also went on the cheap seats to talk about Taylor Swift too. So I guess I'm just experiencing new ways to talk about music. It's just not as frequent as what it was doing, you know, four to five nights a week on live radio doing it. Lauren wants to know, how do you deal with comparison when other people hit major life milestones? I don't know. I'm pretty sweet. Like I don't have FOMO about kids right now. The buying the house thing is probably the one that still occupies my mind. I just feel like so many of my friends, especially in Ballarat, own houses. And yeah, I don't know. Sometimes I'm like, well, I really want a house, but also interest rates are fucked right now. It just seems like too big of an adult decision for me to, (laughs) to make at this point. Also, I need to save a lot more money, but that's probably the one that I do think of the most out of all of those milestones. But yeah, I don't know. I think I've just come to a pretty comfortable place at the moment where I'm not looking at others for comparison. Maybe I'm looking at others in comparison of career stuff because I think that's what I'm just so focused on right now is just having a list of professional goals. But yeah, other than that, I'm I'm pretty pretty chill. The last one I'm going to do is Lay Leia, L-E-I-A, Leia. I hope I'm saying that right. You're just asking, how am I managing my endo today and if more surgery is on the cards? It's been three years since my last surgery, so I've had two. Uh, I don't have enough pain for me to be like, I need to go see my specialist again. I think we need to do another surgery, which is so fortunate. It's really just the symptoms that are kind of taking over, just general fatigue and the pain leading up to my period, but it's pretty regular. So I can kind of plan ahead. I can block out those days if I just need to chill at home and be in pain. Um, do you know what? I, no, actually that's a lot. I feel like my bladder. So one of my symptoms of endo was like frequent, <laughs> frequent urination and like a really sore bladder quite quickly. Um, I feel like my bladder is kind of playing up again. <laughs> I'm, I'm peeing a lot more, but I'm also drinking more fluids at nighttime. So maybe that's it. I don't know. And I'll just keep an eye on it. But overall, I'm doing all right. Yeah. I've been, I've been quite slack on endogram too on Instagram. It's just, I don't know. I feel like I've taken a step back on the advocacy stuff because it's honestly so draining and I feel like I've done a lot in that space over the last five years. So I'm kind of just chilling a bit, just kind of taking it easy. And I think that's okay. So those are the questions that I have answered. Hopefully you got something out of it. It's kind of nice just to sit and talk, even though I need a drink, but, um, Nice to just have a one-on-one as opposed to an interview, but I've got a bunch of amazing interviews lined up for the rest of the year. I'm just taking the next week, uh, not the next week, I'm taking the next month off the podcast to attend to some other work projects. So I think that's it. Thanks for listening to Figuring Out 30. I'm Bridget Hustway and I'll catch you in about a month. Bye.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.